0: News
1: Network. A politician on the campaign trail
0: once said, We choose truth over facts. I don't need to mention any names, Joe Biden. But if you think that statement is reassuring, you're probably not going to like what happens next. Because you're in the home of blunt forced truth, of conservative thought, not just talk, of facts that are truth. Welcome to
2: TNN,
0: the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. OMG, not only is it Friday, it's first Friday of the month of September, which means we got a Monday coming up right around the corner, and what is the first Monday every year in September? It's Labor Day, which means many of you aren't even listening to me this morning. You decided to make it a four-day weekend. And you're sleeping in, or maybe you went and got a cup of coffee, and you couldn't wait for TNN Live. So you're sitting there in the bed, propped up on your pillows, drinking a cup of coffee, and listening to TNN Live. (laughs) Hey, I hope you're not doing that. I hope if you're up, you're on your way, you're already at work, and that you're getting ready for a fun-filled weekend with friends and family. That's what this weekend is supposed to be about every year. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the first day of September, which officially marks the end of the vacation season for a lot of people, to be honest. A lot of people, it's the beginning of vacation because they worked hard all summer on those jobs because of all the vacationers coming in, staying in the places where they work or own, like hotels or condos. And now it's time for you to go on vacation. So what are you going to do on vacation if you've got one? I don't have one. We did take a beach vacation this year. You probably remember I broadcast live from uh, Georgia. Tybee Island, Georgia. Yeah, there's a beach there. No, it's not white sandy beach with pretty crystal clear blue water, but it was the Atlantic Ocean. It was a beach. And I can't gripe. We're beach people. Our kids grew up from their very earliest vacation moments. They knew and loved going to the beach every year. We went every year. But every year we went to the Redneck Riviera, which is the most beautiful beaches in the United States of America. And I'm serious. There's a river that hundreds and maybe even thousands and hundreds of thousands of years ago washed down right to the coast on the line between Georgia, excuse me, between uh, Alabama and Florida. And brought down the most beautiful white sand that's everywhere. It's, it looks like it's bleached white, actually. And the water follows suit. So, anyway, we're spoiled, rotten, Marianne and I. Our favorite beach on the world is at Providentialis in Turks and Caicos. It's even whiter sand and clearer water than in Destin, Florida or Gulf Shores, Alabama. All of that makes me. Um, Makes me hungry (laughs) because every time we go down there, we have the best seafood and we have the best time. I am blessed with the most amazing family. Marianna and I have been married for 48 years, 48 years. It just doesn't seem possible. Seems more like 75. (laughs) I hope she's not listening this morning. I'm joking. I'm the most blessed man in America to have her for 48 years and then we have three amazing kids six grandchildren and the best thing is our entire family with the exception of our son and his wife who live in Fort Worth Texas the rest of them are right here within a four or five, a five mile radius of Nani and Poppy where we live so we're together all the time and we are blessed this might just be a good time for you to look in your rearview mirror and be happy and thankful for all you have and all those you have. We are blessed, aren't we? that nobody can figure out what the title of the song means, 25 or 624, not 624, but 6-T-O-4, Chicago. And all these years later, I was in radio professionally when that song came out. Oh, my gosh, everybody was trying to figure it out. Nobody ever did. (laughs) There are all kinds of versions of what it's about. So we have today a plethora of good and bad news for you. Got a combination. We're going to be all over the spectrum when we talk through this show today. You need to stay close. You need to plug in. If you're going to be moving around in your office, maybe jumping in the car to go run errands and get the kids settled because they're going to be home with you for two or three extra days because of Labor Day weekend, Make sure you've got your iPad or your phone handy. You don't want to miss a bit of this. There is so much information. Isn't it interesting? Every normal week, normal meaning five five days in the work week every week, the left are very good when they have bad news about anything leftist, a cause or people getting in trouble that are Democrats, It always seems to be held over till maybe late in the afternoon. That way, very few people see or hear about it because everybody checks out at noon on Friday, right? Well, don't check out today. It's going to be ongoing all day Friday. Big news, I promise you. And it's already started just moments ago. We got some economic news, we'll get into that in a few seconds, but just as we were signing on, it was announced that over in Georgia, all of Trump's Georgia trial, the entire trial, is going to be televised live. The judge rules that the ex-president's case is going to be broadcast live along with his 18 co-defendants. Now, the judge that's ruled on this, Fulton County Judge Scott McAfee, he said he's going to make all of Trump's hearings in the state available for broadcast on YouTube and some other news networks. Isn't that interesting? Let me make a prediction for you. I'm one of those guys, if you hang around very often, I don't give predictions regularly or routinely. When I do, They typically are based on facts. And most of the time, my predictions happen for that reason. Not because I'm brilliant. It's just because you sit down and, well, if this is this and this is this, and this goes over here, and if that happens, that happens. And then you get a conclusion at the end of it using common sense and logic. That's not being brilliant. That's just not being political. Just looking at facts from which you draw conclusions. They're not going to televise all these trials. They'll start probably, but they're going to stop. You want to know why? Because it's not going to be what they want them to be. They're going to want everything to be a curse and send Donald Trump to jail for the rest of his life. And if anything doesn't point in that direction on these news broadcasts that are going to happen live, somebody's going to pull the plug. I promise you. And it's already started. Just a few minutes ago, you know who Brad Raffensperger is. He was that infamous Secretary of State over in Georgia that got in the middle of so many issues with Donald Trump post-election. You remember that infamous phone call in which the left have misquoted now for two years the call that everybody heard live and people forget and they rely on their news media, the leftist news media to keep them up to date on everything. And so they believe what those news people said was in the content of the call and they won't remember that they heard the phone call over and over and over again themselves. Donald Trump, never asked the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to get him some votes, change any votes. That never happened. But for all these months, Brad Raffensperger was going to be the linchpin that was going to send Donald Trump to prison. But guess what? Very quietly this week, in testimony, sworn testimony, In federal court, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger contradicted claims that Donald Trump insisted he violate his oath of office and fabricate enough votes to win the state. It never happened. Now, real quick, flip over to CNN or MSNBC or ABC, CBS, NBC their news broadcast, and see if anybody's going to tell you about this. The media have been misrepresenting that January 2021 phone call between Trump and Raffensperger, quoting Trump as telling Raffensperger that he should find the votes necessary for Trump to win. In fact, Trump said this, and I'm quoting, I'm quoting five words, I just want to find the votes referring to his own state of mind Donald Trump said that I just want to find the votes moreover in the context in the context Trump believed he actually had won the state of Georgia and the votes simply had not been properly counted yet great big difference there don't you know Raffensperger got on the stand in a federal court in the Northern District of Georgia this week, part of a hearing on a motion by former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who, by the way, is one of Trump's 18 co-defendants in that case in Georgia. Meadows argued that the case should be moved to a federal court because he was just working for the president and therefore cannot be tried in state court under the Constitution's supremacy clause. Meadows stunned almost every observer by testifying in his own defense. We're going to hear and see stuff like this all through these trials. It's going to be something you're going to want to every time they're going to be televised. You either stay home from work and watch them or you record them and then have a party at your house every night so you can watch them with your neighbors. You know why? All this crap that we have been shoved down our throats and forced to swallow by mainstream media, we're going to find out 99% plus is going to be proven to be false crap that they have tried to shove down our throats for two and a half years. Jonathan Turley wrote this. He was there. The call was misrepresented by the Washington Post. And the transcript later showed that Trump was not simply demanding that votes be added to the count, but rather asking for another recount or continued investigation. This is Jonathan Turley. You hear him all the time. See him on Fox News regularly. He said, quote, Turley now, I disagreed with that position but the words about the finding of 11,780 votes was in reference to what he was seeking in a continued investigation of the votes. Critics were enraged by the suggestion that Trump was making the case for a recount as opposed to just demanding the addition of votes to the tally or fraudulent findings, which is any election candidate's right to ask for by the way, in Georgia. Raffensperger described the call in the same terms. He correctly described the call as extraordinary in a president personally seeking such an investigation, particularly after the completion of the earlier recount. That is manifestly true. However, he also acknowledged that this was a settlement negotiation, So what was the subject of the settlement talks? Another recount or further investigation? The very thing that critics this week were apoplectic about in the coverage. That does not mean that Trump had grounds for the demand. Trump's participation in the call was extraordinary. His demands were equally so, but the reference to the vote deficit and demanding continued investigation was a predictable argument in such a settlement negotiation. Turley said, I have covered such challenges for years. As a legal analyst for CBS, NBC, BBC, and Fox, unsupported legal claims may be sanctionable in court, but they have never been treated as crimes. If Meadows succeeds in his bid to have the case removed to a federal court, other defendants are going to do the same thing. May argue the charges should be dismissed because of the Supremacy Clause and on other grounds. However, Raffesberger's testimony could also be used to dismiss at least some of the Fulton County indictments, particularly the ones regarding solicitation of violation of oath by public officer, in reference to the phone call with Raffensperger. In other words, the Raffensburger trump phone call and all of that hoo-ha about Trump demanding that Raffensburger change votes for his benefit, Trump's benefit, it was all a lie. This telephone conversation, folks, we're not hearing people testifying what they think was in the call. We've heard the call over and over and over. This is just the first domino to fall in Georgia, and it's going to go one after another. You can book it. Well, what else do we have to talk about? Told you got some numbers Payroll numbers just a few minutes ago. The U.S. added 187,000 non-farm payroll jobs in the month of August. Unemployment shot up to 3.8%. Now, the economists. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to, in full disclosure, I'm going to tell you my opinion. I think economists suck. I don't think they have any clue. But they tell us every time we see or hear them, they're experts. And so you've got to listen to what we say. So there's a conundrum in those two numbers I just gave you. 187,000 non-farm payroll jobs. They were estimating only 170,000. So wow, we added 17,000 more payroll jobs in the month of August. That's great news, isn't it? how the heck did unemployment rate shoot up to 3.8 percent their numbers these experts what they predict and what they tell us and their conclusions from it is poppycock it's an opinion nothing more the U.S economy grew less than previously thought in the second quarter of 2023. I predicted this was going to be done and reported on today. I told you this. They're going to come back and they're going to say, well, we overestimated our growth in the second quarter. And that's exactly what they did. An increasing number of surveys show firms are cutting hiring, removing unfilled job postings, and eliminating positions after separations. That means quits or firings. One of those economists, E.J. Antony, boy, what a regal name that is, E.J. Antony. He's a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. He's the one that told us this, quote, with the big drop in the most recent month's job openings and the downward revisions, it is now clear that we're below the pre-pandemic trend while the labor market is a lagging indicator, it's clear that this is yet another sign of an economic slowdown. Let me just summarize it for you, EJ Anthony. You missed it. You missed it. You looked at numbers, you flipped a quarter in the air, and you took heads. And that's what you reported to the American people when you should have uh, taken tails. All this stuff. It's absolutely, it just reeks. If you're going to miss them every month, stop making the predictions. Stop giving us the estimates. Good people are making life-changing economic decisions for themselves, for their families, their retirement, their retirement accounts, based upon the stuff that you told them three months ago, only to come back 90 days later and say, oh, oh, oh man, we thought it was better than it really was, and, you know, we missed a little bit. Well, well you, want, you want us to predict the next quarter for you? But one thing they don't talk about out of this administration, they refuse to even discuss it anymore. What's that, Dan? It's our war at our southern border, and it is a war. Even the Washington Post of all newspapers weighed in on this this morning. Border apprehensions are up more than 30%. For each of the last two consecutive months, 30%, Biden's deputies allowed a record-breaking inflow of roughly 300,000 aliens across the U.S. border in August, and that's from the Washington Post. It's leaked data, we're told. It shows border apprehensions have risen more than 30% for two consecutive months. The accelerating inflow is likely to spur spur more protest, especially in the big Democrat-run blue cities that have welcomed most of these low-wage aliens. And in case you're wondering, the legal term for somebody that comes in this nation illegally is not a migrant. The left want to dumb it down and make it sound cushy. They're here illegally. They're here by constitutional definition as illegal aliens. Biden's massive inflows, delivering almost one migrant for every American birth. Think about that. That's not counting the government's additional inflow of roughly 2 million legal migrants and temporary contract workers. This government directed population spike is pushing Americans' wages down across the board, while at the same time pushing inflation, housing prices, and investor stocks upwards. The August inflow included roughly 180,000 aliens who allowed themselves to be arrested, registered, and released. That's up from 133000 in July and 100000 in June. Once released, the migrants can get jobs to pay off their smuggling debts. Another 50,000 migrants were invited by Mayorkas' CB1 telephone app. You heard about that. You use the app, you register. You get an appointment to come to a legal point of entry here at the southern border, and you meet with those people, and you get you a court date so you can come back in front of a judge and make your claim for asylum. Another 50,000 of those people came in. Once you get your court date, they just let you go. You go somewhere, anywhere in the nation you want to go, and Uncle Sam's going to pick up the tab for you, your food, your housing, Your health care, if you've got kids, go to school, all on the taxpayer dole. Another 30,000 from four countries invited to fly here via the parole loophole that's now being reviewed by a federal court down in Texas. Those avenues invited 260,000 migrants, aliens, through Majorca's border in August, That's a third more than the 210,000 welcomed in July. Now, let me me ask a salient question. It is very applicable. Here we are, 5 million, 7 million, 10 million. How many illegal aliens in our country over the last, say, seven, eight years? How many? We don't know. There's somebody out there that does. Somebody's... Ringing the bell, that's one, that's two. Somebody's keeping count. It's millions. Do you understand that every one of those millions broke federal law when they stepped across the border? And everybody that did not, once they stepped across the border, whoever did not follow the law and deport them immediately, which is what... Federal law says they're supposed to do. Illegal aliens aren't allowed here. When they come here, they're illegal. They're supposed to be deported, sent back to the country from which they came. Anybody that lets them come in committed a felony when they let them in. And anybody that doesn't, that's in law enforcement and doesn't immediately deport them, is committing a felony. Why, why are these people not in jail today? You want to stop illegal entries into the nation? It's real easy. Set up a line somewhere. It doesn't matter where, any place across the southern border. Put out the word, the next person that comes in this country illegally is immediately going to be sent back to where they come from. Immediately, not the next day, but immediately. If we saw you swim across the Rio Grande, we'll put you in a boat and take you back over. The next time you come, you'll be violating another law. You'll go to jail where you'll be held until you can be tried, and then you'll be deported based on U.S. law back to where you came from. And anybody that aids in a bet will be prosecuted the same way. Tell them that. Give them fair warning. And then you know what you do? You follow the law. You enforce the law. And oh, by the way, these unelected appointed bureaucrats like Alejandro Mayorkas... Secretary of Homeland Security, he applauds himself in his actions. He brags about how he has trampled on the rule of law, and he is sorry that he couldn't trample and let more of these illegals get here because they're just coming for a better place to live, a better life. You and I both know there is way too much money coming across that border from the cartels. Who are they paying money to to open the gates and let these aliens come over here? Not only let them come, but help them get here, and then not to send them back. We've got enough resources to investigate and find who is driving this boat and making it happen. Why hasn't that happened? I'll tell you why. You can argue with me if you want. It's your opinion. This is my opinion. But it's really not mine. It's biblical. The love of money is the root of all evil. The cartels hold the trump cards in this. They're the ones that are forcing these illegals to pay out the wazoo and dollars and cents. They're the ones that are importing This fentanyl from China and having many of these illegals that they are bringing across our border bring drugs with them and then selling them across the United States and killing 100,000 Americans a month. And by the way, just thought I'd throw this thought out there for you as you're getting... Prepared to cast your vote November next year. You know who thinks it's okay for them to do that and wants more of it? Not more legal immigration. Joe Biden, nobody in his administration has put forward a immigration bill. Not one to be considered in Congress, which is where laws have to be crafted. You know that, don't you? They don't want legal immigration. They love it the way it is because money is the root of all evil. Not money. I stand corrected. The love of money is the root of all evil. Facts, folks. Facts. If you can't deal with facts, you'll never make it as an American because we're headed back that way. We're not there today. We have an administration that refuses to hold themselves accountable when they look at Americans and point their fingers and accuse Americans of doing all kinds of horrendous wrongdoing and even prosecuting Americans for it. We have people in prison today, many of for years because they happen to step in the wrong spot on January 6th. Am I exaggerating? Absolutely not. If you're never here on Tuesday, our second hour, Steve Baker, he gave us blow-by-blow testimony from the trials of many of these people. The Biden administration is scaring everybody to death. We are scared of our government. Kind of the same thing as Russians are. About Vladimir Putin. We've got a story today where Merrick Garland, the attorney general, the guy that hoped for to become a U.S. Supreme Court justice, he called one of the whistleblowers of a lie, Gary Shapley, who testified about something that was said in a room full of people. Merrick Garland wasn't in that room. But Garland has called Shapley when seven other people heard it said. Shapley lied about it. Does that sound like a leader? No, it sounds like somebody that is scared to death of their boss, Joe Biden. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store. Expand into new sales channels and bring your brand into the real world.
3: Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify.
2: Off to gang and showtime. Uh, Do
4: you know this guy?
2: I'm not going to cry, am I?
0: Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship.
4: Really?
2: You guys are good.
3: <laughs> movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies
1: instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix.
4: That's so cute, it's stupid. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee 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 all the way home?
0: home.
4: Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico.
3: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
5: all-new infinity qx60 take on life in style
0: do you ever get the feeling that maybe joe biden is a fall guy for someone else Ever thought about that? I ask myself pretty regularly when I look at something that I hear somebody does, and it doesn't just have to be a, a Democrat, it can be a Republican, it could be anybody. They do something that they break the law, they do something unethical, and I ask myself, why? What's the explanation? Why would that person go down that road? What's in it that is worth the penalty that they may pay? for doing it or suborning it or allowing it to happen. That would be the way I try to figure out what Joe Biden is thinking. Now, this illegal immigration thing, it's not immigration. But this ignoring our southern border, ignoring our northern border, too, there's coming across from Canada. Obviously, not in the great numbers as come from Mexico, but nevertheless... Illegal is illegal, right? Wrong is wrong, period. So I wonder quite often, what's going on in Joe Biden's mind? Who's pulling the levers that make him make the decisions and spurn the ones that he should be making for these other ones? And again, I am convinced the love of money is the root of all evil. It's now become so serious in these big cities, these blue cities, along with homelessness that is rampant, and that seems to be quite all right with this administration. Have you ever heard about Joe Biden getting in the car, driving through and finding a homeless place in Washington, D.C. to go meet those people and talk to them and find out what they need and why they're struggling like they're struggling? No. He's never done that. He doesn't live with people like that. He never has. He's an endowed enlightened one, as are all the other pontificators in Washington, D.C. And even in these big cities where Democrats control, they have massive bureaucracies, and you have these mayors and these police officials, and they're looking at all this happen, they're the ones, and their citizens are paying big prices. They were looking to Washington, D.C. The mayor of New York, he thought he was going to shame Joe Biden into cutting him some slack and just writing big checks about the illegal immigrants that are coming to his city. Nope, he's finding out real qu- quickly that Joe Biden doesn't give a rip about lawlessness, Period. And now listen to what has leaked out of Washington, D.C. Joe Biden's deputies have targeted six dirt-poor communities in New York and New Jersey. And they've targeted them to be locations to resettle these aliens who now are overflowing government-funded shelters in the Big Apple. The list of sites... Was sent to state officials, promptly leaked to Bloomberg. Most of those sites are outside of the Big Apple, including Stewart International Airport. That's a small Hudson Valley facility frequently used by private jet owners. The Atlantic City location is even in another state, New Jersey. One recommended spot, Messina International Airport, is 365 miles from New York. In remote St. Lawrence County on New York's Canadian border. It serves as a U.S. Customs Port of Entry coming in from Canada. Two sites in Schenectady, one near Bear Mountain State Park, one near Newburgh, one site in New Jersey at Atlantic City Airport. The burden put on our citizens should be overwhelming, and the effect on the school system, roads, resources, to accommodate them would be devastating. That came from Laura Frommer, the Republican mayor of Egg Harbor Township in New Jersey. And she added this, the humanitarian crisis created by the federal government is not appropriately dealing with the issues of immigration has unfairly resulted in small communities having to bear the brunt of this inaction. Her word, inaction. We strongly urge the federal government to actually deal with the situation at the border and not shift the responsibility to communities. You know what I cannot understand? Why hasn't anybody filed personal lawsuits against the president? Think about that. He's breaking the law himself. Well, you can't indict a sitting president. Well, who says you can't? It's kind of a, a rule of thumb that those in government decided. The people didn't decide that. The Congress didn't decide that. Congress has the sole power to craft laws. Well, if they crafted a law about a president being held personally liable for not enforcing laws and having laws ignored, if a bill came to his desk that said what the penalties would be for him, if he let it continue, he just will not sign that bill into law, will overturn it. It goes back to Congress, get some chutzpah, And do the right thing. Will somebody in government do the right thing? What's the right thing, Dan? Well, you start with the one thing you took an oath that you said you would always do. You will honor the laws that have been passed in the nation that you're responsible for. And if you're not going to do that, quit. This list that came out names five sites in New York City including Floyd-Bennett-Field in Brooklyn, which has been approved by New York officials, by the way, states' Democrat politicians, they know the resettlements are unpopular and that prior efforts have prompted protest and reversals. So they're reluctant to let the city's Democrats shove their city-made migrant problem outside the city before the 2024 elections. That's what it's all about. We got to get reelected. Don't rock the boat. We cannot and will not force other parts of our state to shelter migrants. That's Governor Kathy Hochul said that August 24th in a speech. Nor are we going to be asking these migrants to move to other parts of the state against their will. Hockle's proposed fix is to let the illegals get federal work permits so they can compete for jobs Once they get to the border, that policy would cut wages for working Americans. You think put a bunch of other Americans on the unemployment lines. Wow. Let's cater to the lawbreakers, the illegal people. And let's make sure that those politicians that were part of the process to open the border and not only let them come in, pay for them to come in. Let's put them on charter jets and fly them from, oh, I don't know. South Texas all the way up to New York City. Well, we're not going to spend that kind of money. We'll put them on buses. You ever chartered a bus from South Texas, El Paso, Texas, to New York City? All of this is on taxpayers. The government has no money. The only money the government has is the money they take from you, In the form of income taxes. That's money that's supposed to be spent on the constitutionally passed things that Congress put into place and Joe Biden in many cases signed into law. We today, you and I, we don't live in a free nation. We don't live in a republic anymore. We live in a banana republic that is being run by a small group of hardcore sycophants who don't give a rip about the law. They don't give a rip about you. They want to take everything they can from you and spend it on other people that will benignly lay down and let them do whatever they want to do, give them the power to do it from this point forward. That's where we live today. Now, all of a sudden, up in the Big Apple, you got a small group of wealthy New York City donors that are now talking to the federal government and the nation's taxpayers. Why? They want a $12 billion bailout for the city of New York. Federal bailout. Why do they want that? The bailout, they say, is sought because the flood of cheap migrants has overwhelmed the city's planned welcome. Now, wait a minute, Eric Adams, the mayor, he crowed in his campaign to become mayor about this is a sanctuary city. We open our arms and we welcome all of the people that just want to come to the United States to make a better life for themselves and their families. He was all in for that when he was running for mayor, and he was all in it for every place outside of Manhattan. You think he's having second and third thoughts about Sanctuary city status for New York? New Yorkers outside the city, they don't want the city's migrants to move where they live any new migrants anywhere, this is what they do. They force down wages. They push up housing costs. They burden local governments, law enforcement. Think about it. Look at crime. Look at poverty. Look at health care. Everything that is provided as part of governing the people, you know that we the people thing? Every part of it is stretched beyond capability of functioning because Joe Biden won't enforce immigration laws and because nobody will hold him accountable. Half the nation, we're told in the polls, they want him to be reelected. They want him to just keep on trucking, doing the same things he's doing now, which is nothing. Just letting whoever is pulling his puppet strings continue to be the puppeteer of the Biden administration, whispering in his ear and telling him what a great guy he is and what a phenomenal job that he's doing as POTUS. Joe didn't even know what POTUS meant. He may not know what it means today. A majority of political independents in New York and New York State. They say international migration has been a burden to the state over the last 20 years. Never heard anything about it until Joe Biden started letting them come in willy-nilly. And then Texas started sending a few of these people into Manhattan on these chartered buses. 51% of independent voters, 67% of Republicans said, this is in New York State, Immigration is a burden when they were asked, looking back over the last 20 years or so, do you think that migrants resettling in New York has been more of a benefit or more of a burden? Many of the federal migrant sites are in poor areas, where many Americans struggle to survive already. But the planned arrival of young, healthy, and desperate migrants will likely allow U.S. employers, think about this, Get rid of the old, the sick, the alienated Americans. You want some real numbers? Here's a few examples. From citydata.com, 21.4% of Newburgh, New York residents had an income below the poverty level in 2021. 21.4%. That was 35% greater than the poverty level of 13.9% across the entire state of New York. If you take into account residents not living in families, 24% of high school graduates, 44% of non-high school graduates live in poverty. The poverty rate was 22.5% among disabled males, 31.5% among disabled females, The renting rate among poor residents was 93.3%. For comparison, it was 62% among residents with income above the poverty level. Few of these aliens want to leave New York City where they can earn the higher wages that they need to pay back their high-interest smuggling loans. Thank you, Uncle Joe. The aliens also know they minimize their city housing costs by crowding into shared apartments or by occupying the city's free shelters created for poor Americans. Also, the sites targeted by the federal government are far from the government services needed by the penniless migrant farmers and families who are being welcomed by Biden's border deputies. And just waved on in. At these sites... It seems unlikely that anyone would be able to have access to any place where they could work. That's Josh Goldfein, a staff member at Legal Aid. It's far from legal services from access to medical care. Biden has already imported at least 6 million aliens for quote-unquote economic purposes in less than three years. Has anybody ever asked Biden... He says that, oh, they're coming in, economic purposes. What are the economic purposes you're breaking the law? What are those purposes? Who does that benefit? We just gave you unemployment's up again, almost 4%. And that only counts, by the way, just so you know, they're way more than four percent that are unemployed in the nation way 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 more they only count the ones that are in the system that are going to the unemployment office and filing formal claims many of them have termed out you can only do it for so many months and then you're out you got to just go fend for yourself i wonder what the real unemployment rate is and why is it that it keeps going up it's because biden keeps letting these people come in and if you're a big-time employer especially in the service industry, oh, in the construction industry. Northwest Louisiana, our city, Shreveport, Louisiana, and this is just one example, a middle-class city, a couple of hundred thousand people. There are Spanish-speaking only people by the tens of thousands, and you go by a big construction operation, 99% of the people that are there are Hispanics, You know they're illegals, but they work their butts off. They're scared to death that if they don't, they're going to get arrested, sent back to where they came from. They don't want that, but when they got those jobs, they took them from American citizens. That's okay with Joe. You know why the big companies that operate and hire these people? They don't have to pay matching Social Security They don't even have to file they're supposed to legally, and if they get caught, they get busted. But what happens when they get busted? Obviously, the penalties aren't sufficient enough to get them to stop breaking the law. They just keep doing it. They get winked at from everybody in the White House who write the big checks, the companies that these people are being employed by, campaign contributions. And we call those economic migrants when really what they are or illegal aliens. You want to flip the switch just for a second? You want to change conversations? I do. That one just makes my skin crawl. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about what is ahead. We all know all the indictments, all the charges. You have your own opinions. I've not seen any of the, evidence in any of these, nor have you, by the way, but we still have our opinions. I know Donald Trump is not perfect. No man, no woman on earth is perfect. But does he warrant the treatment that he's getting you and I and everybody, including those on the left, they know? know? Nope. And we know what this is all about. There's no need to harp about it. They have done pretty much, not everything, but close to everything they could possibly do to get rid of him. I mean, what's left? I mean, they've covered him up. If this, all this legal stuff, if it plays out, he'll be in court for the next 10 years. He'll never be able to serve as president. It just doesn't make sense, does it? That's what they believe, and that's why they're pushing so hard to keep it not only going, but get worse and worse for Donald Trump. So much so they think he'll throw up his hands and say, I've had enough. Trump's not going to quit. And that's one thing that people on the left don't get. They don't understand that. He's not a quitter. He pushes through. He makes things work. He sticks with them and pushes and makes Little parts of them work. The ones that aren't working well. He fixes things. And those on the left don't understand him. Somebody who does? Tucker Carlson. Tucker weighed in. What's going to happen to Donald Trump? Are they just going to keep going, going, going till they run him off? Have you thought that through yourself? Tucker had uh, some scary thoughts about that. The CIA is a totally
3: illegitimate criminal organization unless it is following precisely the orders of the elected president. Democrat or Republican, doesn't matter. So he's describing a crime. The people committing that crime in CIA should be in prison for long terms. That's the great threat to democracy right there. And the fact that no one on that set could even see that it tells you how deeply corrupted they are. That's terrifying, and it's true. I happen to know, and I could bore you for hours. Again, since I spent my life there and know a lot of people who work there, but the bottom line is there's no oversight at all. They were able to participate in the murder of a U.S. president and then hide that fact for 60 years by keeping those documents classified, which they still are. It's unbelievable, and it's happening in front of all of us, and nobody seems to care. But. You know, as the country declines and the democratic institutions weaken and you wonder, how did this happen? Well, that's how it happened right there. What do you think the future holds? Is it? I don't know. I, I mean, are they going to let Trump be president? Now, of course. I mean, look, if, you know, they protested him. They called him names. He won anyway. They impeached him twice. Twice. On ridiculous pretenses, they it, it, fabricated a lot about what happened on January 6th in order to impeach him again. It didn't work. He came back. Then they indicted him. It didn't work. He became more popular. Then they indicted him three more times. And every single time his popularity rose. So if you begin with criticism, then you go to protest, then you go to impeachment, now you go to indictment, and none of them work, what's next? I mean, let, you know, graph it out, man. We're speeding toward assassination, obviously, and no one will say that. But I don't I don't know how you can't reach that conclusion. You know what I mean? Like they have decided permanent Washington. Both parties have decided that there's something about Trump that's that's so threatening to them. They just can't have him. I mean, they're putting him on trial in March of next year in the J6 case which basically consists of trying to send him to prison for the rest of his life for complaining about the last election. That's literally what it is. Again, if this were happening in Moldova, the State Department would issue an all hands on deck order to let the world know this is not a legitimate government. And yet our government is doing it. It's like it it's it's really it's hard to overstate how bad this is. And I'm not I, I don't. I don't know where it's going, but there's a collision that's clearly imminent. And by the way, the president is senile in a way that's impossible to deny. Biden's not running the government, you know? So, like, I don't know.
4: I've never been this worried about anything as I am about where this is going.
0: Tucker Carlson actually believes that Donald Trump is in danger of being assassinated because the left has been unable to get rid of him trying all the things that they have tried. I mean, he just went through the litany of things they've tried, and they can't get him to go away. And the assassination he was talking about from 60 years ago was John F. Kennedy. He said something that is very credible and been known for many, many years the whole process that we were told that happened. He was in a parade in Dallas, Texas, in a convertible, and was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone gunner from the Texas Book Depository, building a window yacht. We've heard that story. I heard it my entire life. I remember the day he was assassinated. I was in the fifth grade was going to a new school. They'd just gotten an intercom system, and all of a sudden over the intercom, we heard this radio news broadcast, no explanation, and we started listening, and it was live coming out of Dallas, Texas, after he had been shot, and I was listening when, I forget which commentator it was, said, it is now confirmed President John F. Kennedy has died. He was assassinated. I remember that. And it wasn't a lone gunner. It wasn't a single job. Who was involved? How many? What were the circumstances? That's all locked up. It's classified. Every president that becomes president has the availability to find all those things out for themselves, but they're sworn to keep it classified. But there are a lot of other people that were around, still alive then, that know what happened. Until I heard Tucker say that, and I think I heard it, yesterday morning for the first time. For whatever reason or reasons, I hadn't thought about that as a possibility. But now after you reason through and you heard what Tucker had to say, makes sense. What else can they do to stop Donald Trump? And it's very obvious. Look at all of the machinations that have been created and thrown against Donald Trump, all in an effort to accomplish one thing. They want him gone. They want him out of D.C. They want him out of government. They want him off television. They want him gone, period. And don't think for a second that there are not people that on a daily basis, their jobs are to kill people. You can call it assassination, you can call it a hit, whatever you want to call it. It happens all the time. It's happened since there have been more than one or two people on the planet. Evil is everywhere. Now, I'm not throwing that up. I'm not throwing up a panic button. I'm not shooting a flare into the sky and I'm portending something horrible is going to happen. I'm not but it would not be beyond the pale. I can see people on the left getting so desperate. Number one, here's the big reason I think they want him gone. When he gets back, if he gets back, he's gonna open up and let the American people see everything about everybody. They can't let that happen. And all the more reason for you. You know, I tell you, I do a 6 o'clock prayer meeting every morning, and I pray for the president, whoever is president at the time, every day. It's not a long, detailed prayer, but I pray for Joe Biden. You know why? Because he is in authority over me. And the Bible tells Christians, pray for those in authority over you though I disagree with 99, maybe even more than 99% of his political and private and personal stuff that he does and doesn't do and says and doesn't say way he operates and treats people, I disagree with 99, maybe even more than 99% of that. I want him to be successful at doing one thing, taking care of the United States of America, doing what he swore he would do in his oath of office. And I want him to get so convicted for all of the evil that he's left in his wake that he'll just do a 180 and turn around. And I don't need for him to get on a microphone or get on a television camera and confess anything to me. That's not what it's about. I want him to get his head and heart right with God. Do I know it's not right with God? Well, I don't know his heart. Nobody knows the heart of another individual, but what we can do and what we're instructed to do is watch the results of whatever's inside these people that are important to you. Doesn't have to be a president. It could be anybody. It could be your kids, your spouse, your boss, friends. We all act out what's inside of us at some point. It's called fruit. And every plant that creates a fruit, that fruit comes from inside that plant. What's put in the plant is what grows every time. We can only do the things that we can do and we can pray for those I won't the captain of the ship, to be successful, getting me to the destination. I got on board the ship that this captain is is guiding. I want him to be successful. That's why I want Joe Biden to be successful. And then I'm ready for Joe Biden to step down. There are a lot of people that could do a better job than Joe Biden's done.
4: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order?
0: Hi. Can I get
4: a? Uh, can I get a? get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh. Can I get a? Uh,
6: can I get a? Yeah. Uh, can I get a? Uh, 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 go, uh, go,
4: Bubba, go! Uh, oh, uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey. Can I get a?
3: Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce
6: would you like with that? Uh.
1: That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you?
4: Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one.
3: Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry.
4: What about infinity times infinity?
3: It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network.
0: Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. Well, somebody would uh, probably credibly argue that point. My voice is not necessarily always a voice of reason. But I'm always here, and I want to thank you for being part of this. We really appreciate you weighing in, giving us your opinions, your thoughts. I love hearing from you guys, and you can do so anytime you want. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. A few things I want to weigh in on, and I'm going to try to cover a bunch of ground between now and the 11 o'clock hour. I don't think we can get everything done that I wanted to get done today, but we're going to give it our best. You know, Joe Biden lied again and again and again when he claimed he knew nothing of Hunter's influence peddling businesses. He knew all the time and every time he vehemently said, I never talked to my son. I never talked to my brother about their overseas businesses. The president further prevaricated that he had no involvement in Hunter's various shakedown schemes. Yet, the media continued to misinform by serially ignoring these facts. Had journalists just been honest and independent, then candidate Joe Biden might have lost a presidential debate and even the 2020 election. Of course, that's why... He did all the lying, and that's why the left let him lie and lie and lie and get away with it. The public would have learned that Hunter's business associates and his laptop proved that Joe was deeply involved in his son's illicit businesses. Later, as the evidence from IRS whistleblowers just mounted, the White House Stonewall subpoenaed efforts sought to craft an outrageous plea deal reduction in Hunter's legal exposure. Reporters ignored the Ukrainians who claimed Joe Biden himself talked to them about quid pro quo arrangements. They again discounted Hunter's laptop. That explicitly demonstrated that Hunter was whining that he had handed over large percentages of his income to his dad variously referred to as dad as the big guy and a 10% recipient on many deals. They all played dumb about Joe's use of pseudonyms and alias email accounts to hide thousands of his communications to Hunter and Hunter's associates. They attacked the former Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who now claims Biden was likely bribed by other Ukrainians. Yet the media can no longer hide the reality that the President of the United States probably took bribes to influence or alter U.S. policy to suit those who paid him those bribes. Those two crimes, bribery and treason, are specifically delineated in the Constitution as impeachable offenses. In their denial, the media has instead pivoted with hysterical glee over all the weaponized prosecutions pending of former President Donald Trump. But now, and we'll use one of their own catchphrases, the proverbial walls are closing in on Joe Biden. So will we at least expect the media finally to confront the truth? (laughs) Answer? Only if Joe Biden's cognitive and physical health continues to deteriorate geometrically to the point that he can't any longer finish his term or run for re-election. And if that happens, of course, then he becomes expendable to the left. Such a cynical view of the media, it is justified, given their record of both incompetence and unapologetic, ball-faced lying. From 2015 to 2019, we were suffocated 24-7 with lies like Russian collusion, Putin's puppet, election rigging, and the Steele dossier. When all of this quote-unquote evidence was proven to be a fraud, a complete fraud, cooked up through Hillary Clinton's stealthily hiring of a collusion with a discredited ex-British spy, a Russian fabulist at the Brookings Institute, and a Clinton toady in Moscow, did the media apologize for their lying? Heck no. Was there any media confessional that perhaps Robert Mueller and his left-wing legal team, the giddy media dubbed All-Stars Dream Team and Hunter Killers, proved a colossal waste of time? Don't be tempted to say, yep, not at all. That's the right answer. Instead, the media went next, right onto the phone call and straight to impeachment. And then the country wasted one more year. The same biased reporters now claim that the heroic Alexander Venman had caught Trump fabricating lies about the Bidens, given Joe Biden was a possible 2020 opponent to force Ukraine to investigate them or lose American foreign aid. On that one thing, Vinman, who, by the way, is not very honest himself. He's been proven again and again. He was nothing but a shill for the left. On that accusation, Trump was impeached. That was all they had. Then the truth came out that unlike Joe, Trump never threatened to cancel anybody's aid but only to delay it. Trump was right that the Bidens were knee-deep in Ukrainian bribes and their influence peddling. And he was right that the whistleblower had no first-hand knowledge of the Trump call, but was spoon-fed a script that was cooked up by the gadfly Venman and California representative Adam Shifty Schiff. The result was journalistic glee that, we impeached a president for crimes that he didn't commit, but we exempted another president, Joe Biden, who more than likely committed the same things. Then came the next hoax of the Russian-fabricated facsimile of Hunter's laptop. The 2020 Biden campaign, along with an ex-CIA head, rounded up 51 intelligence authorities all to mislead the country into believing that Russian gremlins and the Kremlin had fabricated that fake laptop. Think about that absurd fantasy. Moscow supposedly had created fake nude pictures, fake photos of Hunter's drug use, fake email and text messages from Hunter to the other Bidens. And these 51 people, listen to their impunity, They all signed off on it, and very few of them even read it. They just signed off on it. Didn't care. You know why? Because they knew. They lied to all of us with impunity. They didn't care. That tells you what kind of people we have in our intelligence departments. The media preposterously convinced the country, the Russians, and by extension Trump, had once again sandbagged the Biden campaign. No apologies. None whatsoever when the FBI later admitted it kept the laptop under wraps for more than a year. They knew it was authentic and yet said nothing as the media and former spooks misled the country and warped an election, election interference, 51 former U.S. intelligence agency heads They fiddled with an election, knowingly lying about it. Now we're enmeshed in at least four court trials, cooked up charges that could as easily apply to a host of Democrats as to Trump. For the last eight years, a discredited media has never expressed remorse for any of the damage they did to the country. We'll never admit it. And they will not again when their latest mythological indictments are exposed in every few days. Every few days, more and more people are finding out these folks are lying to us. They have been lying to us. And block by block, sector by sector in the American population are finally saying, You know what? It looks like Donald Trump didn't do any of this crap. And you know, one big block that has turned almost in desperation and are really, really overboard in their support of Donald Trump? Black Americans.
5: It's time for our Seen and Unseen segment, where we explore the cultural stories of the day. And so for that, we turn to Fox News contributor Raymond Arroyo. All right, Raymond, I think there's something, to, it feels like we struck a nerve with Joy in the Gang over at MSNBC.
6: Yeah, I think we did, Laura. This is how they reacted to the idea that black voters might be giving Trump a second look. Namely, that Trump being an accused felon has broadened his appeal with black voters. As one black lady I spoke with earlier today here in New Orleans said, Trump's a gangster, And that means he has cred among a new block of voters that perhaps have never given him a serious look. And now they're looking again. Y'all don't really know any black people, do you?
4: None, right? None, I figured.
6: No, Joy, I guess, hmm. I guess those were imaginary black guests you had on the show the other night, Laura. And, and I suppose I don't know any black people in New Orleans, my home, a majority black city, and I never go into that city to the communities most affected by D.C. policies and actually talk to the people that most networks ignore. No, Joy, I've never done any of that, I guess.
5: And I guess all those like polls or phantom polls that show Trump Has an increasing percentage of the black vote? Is that all made up? I guess. Oh, they don't like the They're criticizing the Fox poll. I get it. But Raymond, the thing is, we have to all remember. It's not not just just
6: the Fox poll. There are others, Axios, Reuters. They're all saying the same thing.
5: Well, we have to remind everyone that you cannot be authentically African-American in the eyes of some on the left if you don't subscribe To their views on a variety of issues that's why they never thought clarence thomas was authentically black uh Mm. tom soul was never black walter williams any of the people that we featured on our show they're not real they're fake or they're you know they they use phrases that are horrible like uncle tom so that's what they think Mm. they're not actually authentic so i take issue with that well
6: Well, Democrats are apparently seeing the same polls that everybody thinks is make-believe. And I think they're worried, Laura. It's so bad. Al Sharpton is trying to revive Trump's urging the death penalty for the Central Park Five in the 1990s.
1: Let them come and tell the rappers and others that are being seduced by Trump what he did in his hometown to
6: innocent black men. Now, wait a minute. Mm. Rappers are being seduced by Trump. He better watch that. Joy Reid's liable to tell him he doesn't know any black people. But the interesting thing here is of all the people trying to recall the early 90s and the late 80s, Laura, Al Sharpton should be the last one talking about race and that period. I have two words for him. Tawana Brawley. Tawana Brawley. Remember that hoax?
5: Oh, yeah. Well, and, and we know what they do to black Americans who get in their way. Uh, and that's to the next point that you were going to raise.
6: Yeah, well, th- this is the other problem that the Democrats have, and it's an electoral one. Cornell West, this is West commenting on Bernie Sanders and the Democratic
1: Party. Listen to this. They are dominated by the corporate wing. They're dominated by the militarists when it comes to foreign policy, and that he and AOC and the others are going to be, in a certain sense, Window dressing. The Democratic Party is beyond redemption at this point.
5: Raymond, I love how
1: <laughs>
5: I love how Joe and Kamala their answer to all this, with, with what a new outreach to the Black community, it consists of inviting a few elites to the White House for a photo op and a listening session.
4: Well, Kamala and I wanted to
6: convene this incredible group of civil rights leaders for a simple <laughs> reason: to thank them and to tell them what they tell us. We know we got a lot more work to
4: do. There is an antidote to this, I am sure of it. It will be rooted in our courage, like those who 60 years ago marched and stood. There is an opportunity in front of us.
6: Lord, do you think this moves the needle one iota in the community itself? See, I think raising grocery prices, rising gas prices, uh, the crime that members of the black community are enduring every day, that's what they see and experience. And this stuff, a a bunch of elites sitting around the table with Biden with this, they have to do this heavy editing job because nobody made a coherent sentence that they can play in toto. I doubt if this really moves the needle with black America, but we'll see. We'll see very shortly. I I mean, I'm
5: not sure if nobody made a coherent statement. I'm, 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 I'm betting that Biden did not make a coherent statement. I'm happy to hear from anybody on any of these subjects, but don't don't claim to have the market cornered on what people care about, because I think a lot of people are worried about this economy, and that's why they want to whip up you know, racial fears and tensions. Racism is horrific, but well, thank goodness it's not at the core of everything we are in our country anymore.
6: Yeah. Well, you just mentioned it, and the real problem here is the mental state of the president himself. And like Mitch McConnell, who you had at the top of the show... All voters have grave concerns about Biden's competency, who apparently now thinks he's the president of Canada.
5: Think about that. A drug company that makes a drug here in America, if it's sold in Chicago, you can buy the same drug in Toronto or Paris cheaper than you can buy it in Toronto.
6: Why is he worried about (laughs) The price of drugs in Toronto, Laura. None of this makes any sense. I listened to this about four times. Nowhere did it make sense. I, 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 well, I'm I, I. aghast. He's, he's probably the talking about this, like, have the the,
5: having the um, Medicare most favored nation drug pricing that other countries get that we don't get. But I'm looking at his squinting eyes and he seems a little at, he mm. seems in pain there, Raymond, almost as much as we were. Yeah. yeah he said yeah, here no, in he's, Chicago he's he kind of corrected it he he correct he tried to correct it I mean we're so I mean we're just so used to the mumblings and rumblings at this point um <laughs> and Raymond it's great to see you tonight thank you so much and I'm glad you're authentically you here's what's happening
0: it appears to the left every day or two it's like they go ding 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 oh my gosh it looks like Donald Trump may get out of this mess. Oh, my gosh, we got to figure out something else we can do. We've got to find another attack point. The problem with the leftists is they have no creativity, none whatsoever. They go back to the, I guess, the things foundationally that they've always been, at least in their opinion, successful using against conservatives, and especially a conservative like Donald Trump. They start screaming about democracy. Donald Trump, he's an autocrat wannabe. He's Mussolini. Oh my gosh, he's a fascist. They just come up with these names. 99% of the people that hear them use these names and call Donald Trump a fascist, an autocrat, they don't have a clue what the word means. The Democrat Party, today's modern Democrat Party, they want autocracy. They want fascism. They would prefer it to be fascism light or autocracy heavy. What's the difference, Dan? An autocracy is a government in which a small group of people at the top control everything. That's autocracy. A fascist is when one person... And maybe another couple advisors are the ones that run everything. That's what Democrats want in total for this nation. But they think that we, the American people, are so dumb we don't understand the difference between democracy and autocracy or fascism. It's important for us to know so that we can make intelligent decisions instead of letting them pontificate about how great they are and how evil we are, led by the orange man. I love every once in a while. I do it at least one time every day. I flip over and listen to some hardcore left news, and I do it for comedy purposes. It's hilarious to me to hear not what these people say specifically, the manner in which they deliver it, with the ancillary facts behind it. Let me give you an example. This has a little bit to do with race. Yesterday, Supreme Court Justices Clarence Thomas Samuel Alito, they released their financial disclosure forms. Now, in all clarity, let me make it very clear. There has always been, since there's been a U.S. Supreme Court, there has been disclosure requirements ethics requirements that have been put together, even changed through the many decades of Supreme Courts, that are put together by the justices, code of conduct. Remember, the judiciary system is totally separate from the executive and the legislative branches. So the left, what they want to do, Democrats want to let Congress tell the Supreme Court justices everything they can and cannot do and how they're supposed to function and to write a code of ethics for them. We would love that as voters, right? Yeah, because Congress, they are so hooked into their code of ethics. <laughs> we want a Supreme Court panel to be just like them, right? No. No. But the left is just going crazy after Clarence Thomas. African-American guy. Oh my gosh, he's a conservative and he's one of those evil conservatives. And Clarence Thomas will look at you and tell you what he thinks about you and smile and make you feel good about it for a minute or two. But the big thing the left have concentrated on is for trips that Alito and Thomas took and the trips that they took, they're questioning or with some friends, and by the way, lifelong friends of these families, good close friends years before Alito and Clarence Thomas even came to the court. And some of these people are wealthy people. I'm going to let you listen. This is a hardcore Democrat news report. Listen to this discussion and the horrible things that Clarence Thomas did. He's not supposed to do because he's a U.S. Supreme Court justice.
6: We have breaking news when it comes to ethics at the U.S. Supreme Court. Just last hour, the 2022 financial disclosure forms for justices Thomas and Alito were released. The two justices received an extension to file their reports. In his disclosure form, Justice Thomas disclosed trips that were paid for by billionaire Harlan Crow. The reports follow a series of articles revealing details of gifts and luxury travel paid for by Republican mega donors. NBC's Lawrence Hurley, who covers the Supreme Court, joins us this morning. Good morning. What else are we learning from these disclosure forms?
2: Well, I think there are two significant things uh, on Thomas's forms in particular. First is that, you know, this is the first time that he's actually disclosed these trips that were paid for by his friend, Harlan Crowe. And and previously, you know, he hadn't disclosed these trips um, in previous years. And this was the first year where he has done it. So that's significant. The second- Let me stop him
0: there. You heard what he said. This is the first time he's ever exposed these trips. Guess why? The Supreme Court themselves, they all went together and they made a decision that going forward, This was several months ago. Going forward, we want to include these trips that you are taking, we're all taking, with these wealthy people. And let me say this before we go on. What you're not going to hear is about any of the other Supreme Court justices and their trips. They take even more grandiose trips with big, heavy donors. Not donors to Supreme Court justices, but to their causes. But these two guys, they're not finished yet. Listen.
2: Second thing is that, you know, he's quite defensive in his explanation as to why he didn't previously disclose them. He pins it on the fact that the uh, judiciary changed its rules for what needs to be disclosed earlier this year, making it clear, really crystal clear for the first time, that things like private jet travel paid for by friends had to be disclosed. And so he's saying that the only reason really that he's disclosing it this year is that the rules have changed. And therefore he's showing that these trips to Dallas and other places uh, did need to be disclosed this time. Uh, And also in this report, he addresses something else that was raised in the ProPublica articles, which is uh, some real estate transactions in Savannah uh, of property that he and other members of his family owned that were sold to Harlan Crow. Uh, And Thomas admits that he probably should have uh, disclosed this previously, but said that he didn't feel like he needed to at the time, Because when he sold the property, he didn't make any money off it because of uh, previous investments he'd made into the property, uh, which meant that he didn't actually make any money out of the deal.
0: (laughs) You got those two? Oh, my gosh. I I want to deal with some of this because, look, are all your friends in the exact same economic position as you? Do you hang around with, do you have people in your life that uh, economically are in a better place than are you? So when your friends, family and friends for that matter, and you cut a better deal, you hit a home run, you've got a great business, and it's better, you've got more disposable income than others that are your friends or your family members, do you ever do something special for them? Let me give you an example. For a long time, my company, it required travel. And travel to go to the locations where our clients are. It's a medical company. We had hospital clients, clinic clients, many of them kind of regionally located across this part of the United States. And frequently, because we dealt with billing, of hundreds of millions of dollars of claims for hospitals and physicians and clinics, et cetera, et cetera, they needed to get together. Their execs at these hospitals and clinics needed to meet with people in my company and myself sometimes. And so let me give you a specific example Shreveport, Louisiana. We had clients all over Texas, all over Arkansas. Louisiana, and it's 350 miles from Shreveport, Louisiana to New Orleans. So, I mean, when you you have five people in management that need to go meet with people in these facilities, look at New Orleans. It's 350 miles. You're not going to drive down today, have meetings today, maybe take them to lunch, and then turn around and drive home after 5 o'clock this afternoon and get there. It doesn't work. So, fly commercially. Well, from Shreveport, there are several regional connections. We go from here to Dallas-Fort Worth or here to Houston or here to Charlotte, North Carolina or here to Atlanta to make connections. So, on these regional flights, for instance, our Texas clients, and this is where it it came in, where it just made sense. I'll, I'll try to make this short. By the time I paid for five people to fly regionally, You could fly through Dallas-Fort Worth, make a connection, fly into these other towns, then get a rent car, take everybody and go to the facility, meet with them, take them to lunch, come back and meet later. And there was no way you were going to get five hours, four hours of meetings in, travel both ways, eat, and then get back home. It wasn't going to happen. So you had to overnight somewhere, either where they were located or in Dallas-Fort Worth. Those trips were costing me about four thousand dollars. Everybody all in for everything. I could charter a private jet. Our businesses, our business location was at the Shreveport Downtown Airport, and our building backed up to a taxiway on the airport. Charter jet company could pick us up in the morning at seven o'clock, right behind our building. We get on it, we fly direct for one hour, and we go to each of these locations, whichever one we're going to at that particular time, rent the car, go to the hospital, meet with them in the morning, take them to lunch, come back, and we usually have an employee or two that work for us at that location. We meet with them, we meet with our people later on, about four o'clock, get on that jet, fly home, and we're home, and met. And got a lot of things done. Remember I told you it was costing about four or $5,000 to do it the other way? It was $3,500, wheels up to wheels down on this private jet. So I told you that story to tell you this. I used chartered jets quite a bit. Sometimes I use for personal. I have people in my circle of influence that did not, don't have that capability. And often it's very common for us to take people with us. If it's Marianne and I, and we this particular jet and we do we've used other ones, it's got seven seats in it. Well, why not take somebody with us? And we did it. We did it like, you know, with friends, like Clarence Thomas and his wife. That is the stupidest objection. I have ever heard come out of the mouth of somebody that's supposed to be realistic. And then, it was just proven at the end of it, he didn't report the real estate sale of property that he and other people in his family owned. And the excuse that he gave for never reporting it, he didn't report it because he didn't make any money on it. The most unbelievable ignoble, stupid thing I've ever heard. It's about two things and two things only. What are those two things? Well, it may be about both of them. It could be just about one of them. It's because Clarence Thomas is black and this guy's white. Don't go there. He's a white liberal. White liberals are not racist, Dan. Well, then what could be the other one? Jealousy. It's the only other one. This guy doesn't have a friend that has a private jet, and that's why he thinks Clarence Clarence is an uppity black guy. He doesn't need to be on a jet with a billionaire. That's something I can't even do. And Clarence is black.
6: Northern Tool and Equipment.
0: My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
6: I'm afraid to ask.
0: Snuggle Muffin.
6: No, it isn't.
0: And she
5: uses it in public.
6: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
5: I couldn't do that.
6: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour
4: cordless leaf blower.
0: Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin.
4: What are you doing, Snuggle... 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 snuggle I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house.
3: But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When
4: tool guys need new tools,
1: they start with Lowe's. The new home
4: of craftsmen.
6: Your juvenile mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things. Like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a dare iced coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta coffee kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A dare iced coffee fix will fix it.
0: You know the term symbolism over substance. That what you just heard. The Alito and Thomas debacle about ethics reform, Supreme Court justices. Symbolically, oh, we've got to hold these people up. They've got to tell us every dime of everything they do with the money the government pays them. Why? Because they're supposed to be above the fray. They're justices of the United States Supreme Court. I forget which one of the female members, Democrat members of the court, but one of them wrote a book and went on a book tour. And on this book tour, that particular Supreme Court justice took several people on her staff with her, and they traveled all around the nation doing these... uh, book tour where they go to the bookstores, they go to clubs, uh, they even do some um, halls where they go meet with people, different groups, and she took people with her to sell her books. They were in the back. They'd go back there and get people lined up and she would sit there and autograph the books. Well, the books belonged to the Supreme Court Justice and the money For the sale of all those books went to the Supreme Court Justice. But guess what? We paid for those employees. They were on the public payroll. And we paid for their travel to go with this Supreme Court Justice. None of that was ever reported on the ethics statements of this justice. Did these watchdog groups say anything about that? Absolutely not. Why? they're Democrats. Democrats can do no wrong. We owe them those opportunities. After all, they're sacrificing their lives and their freedom for the American people. So a little more news came out this morning about uh, some of the hard stuff, the facts that are being exposed about these massive influx of illegal aliens and what they're doing to our workforce. This one is pretty scary, it's pretty spooky, but it answers some questions. House Republicans have set a deadline for when their DHS, Department of Homeland Security funding bill, which includes a massive foreign worker expansion, can be amended. If Republicans keep the expansion, it'll come as more than 44 million Americans are now out of the workforce, many of them out of the workforce because of Joe Biden flooding the nation with these illegals, these aliens that are coming in here that are going to work for many big companies and they're displacing American workers. Republicans on the House Appropriations Committee have included some provisions in a year-end DHS funding bill that will hugely expand the number of foreign workers in the U.S. labor market Just as annual data shows, millions of Americans are struggling to re-enter and stay in the workforce. This week, the committee set a deadline of September 6th next week for when lawmakers can file amendments to the funding bill. The Heritage Foundation has urged the GOP to strip the bill of the two provisions that would expand the inflow of foreign workers— Such substantive changes to legal immigration programs should be debated and voted on in the authorizing committees, not snuck into an appropriations bill. That's called regular order. Congressman Mike Johnson's been on this show with us multiple times, and he preaches regular order, regular order. What is regular order? In the legislative process, When a proposal, some member of the House of Representatives, has a proposed bill, the bill goes to the House Speaker. Doesn't matter what party, goes to the House Speaker. And the House Speaker has the arbitrary obligation and ability and say-so to determine if that bill is going to be taken up to be considered. If it is, it's parsed out under regular order. It's parsed out to whatever committee or subcommittee is supposed to take it, break it apart, find out what's in it, discuss it, bring in people to testify if that's necessary, propose amendments, debate amendments, vote on them, whether to have them or not, only then when the committee is finished with it and they vote on taking the revised bill, then that goes back to the Speaker of the House and the Speaker makes a determination, should this go to the full floor to be considered on the floor if so then it goes in that same committee process is completed out on the floor debate bring witnesses propose amendments vote on amendments and only then does it get a vote to yes we'll vote for it or take it that's regular order This particular bill, they're trying to rush it through. Do you know that when Nancy Pelosi, her last run as Speaker of the House, not one time was any single bill proposed and authorized by Nancy Pelosi to go through regular order? None of them went to committee for consideration. There were staffers that behind the scenes were writing these bills, making changes according to the Democrat Party leadership in the House, and then the rest of the House would only be notified just hours before a bill that had been approved already by the House Speaker would come to the floor to be considered and have a vote. This particular bill, it came and was structured the Nancy Pelosi way. Everything that needs to be part of this, so much spending, so much life-changing of things that are in it based upon the numbers and what it's going to do the employment of millions of Americans. Nobody has the right to determine whether or not that will be voted on in that way other than going through regular order. I think everybody can agree with that or should agree with that. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, she's still in Congress. I know that. Obviously no longer speaker. But during portions of an interview with Bloomberg that was released yesterday, Pelosi stated, she said this, and I quote her, We have to find an accommodation with how the U.S. and China treat each other. And while China is awful on security, the economy, and human rights, we have a shared planet and we have to work with the chinese to save the planet because they're now i think the biggest emitter if not us they're second and they are part of the solution in all of this but we shouldn't reward china but have a mutual discussion about how we can go forward well first of all madam's former madam speaker you got it wrong india's number one polluter china is number 2 we're nowhere near number three. In fact, I'm not even sure we're any longer in number 10, the top 10. We and no other country can say the same thing. For every year of this century, the United States has decreased its fossil fuel carbon emissions. That's fact. Of course, facts don't matter in Nancy Pelosi. They never did. Pelosi said, this is wisdom, listen to this, I'm going to quote her, China's a big country and so are we and we have to find an accommodation on how we treat each other. But in terms of the three things I named, security, China has been a violator of transferring technology of weapons of mass destruction to rogue countries, that's A, B, In terms of economics, they've been. They've violated almost every trade standard of access, of piracy, of obeying rules and the rest. And in terms of governance, Hong Kong, Tibet, Uyghurs, threat to Taiwan and the rest. So we don't have shared values, but we have a shared planet, and we have to work with the Chinese to save the planet because they're now, I think, the biggest emitter. If not us, they're second, and they are are part of the solution in all of this. That, my friends, is a Pelosiism, and it makes no sense, but I wanted you to know what the California's finest thinks are the important things for legislation in <laughs> this House of Representatives. Something that I ran across early this morning, I wanted to, on this show, make sure you heard it, An African-American man, he's very eloquent. He knows what he's talking about. He's a Second Amendment guy, all in for the right to own and bear arms. And he weighed in on the whole structure and the meaning and the process of why is the Biden administration so hard set against AR-15s? AR 15s.
1: So I was on Twitter, or I guess it's called X now, and I came across this tweet from Representative Eric Swalwell, and he's back at it again. And this is what he tweeted Ban assault weapons, ban them all, or buy them all back, choose our kids over their killers. There's a lot going on with this tweet, even though it's relatively short. But one thing you have to understand about Eric Swalwell is that he has a tendency to say the loud parts out loud when they really want him to shut the hell up because. They try to do things quietly and insidiously. Eric Swalwell doesn't have that level of sophistication when it comes to communication. So, therefore, he just blurts things out really loudly. And the people in his party are looking at him like, dude, stop saying that. He's kind of like a Beto in that regard, but just a little bit more goofy. Now, let's talk about the first part of this, banning assault weapons. First of all, when they say assault weapons, what they're talking about is the AR-15. And they're talking about any other semi-automatic rifle, not just the ar 15 any semi-automatic rifle, that is what they're talking about when they say ban assault weapons. Now, I could do a deep-sea dive into what an assault weapon is and what it isn't, but an assault weapon is a made-up term. It's made up. It's a politically made-up term by the anti-gun polit- politicians in order to scare people into thinking that an assault, that uh, AR-15, the AR and the AR-15 stands for assault rifle. Why are we talking about banning AR-15s? One, they're the most popular rifle in this country, but considering they're the most ri- popular rifle in this country, They're not responsible for the most deaths. They're not even, not even close. This, this handgun, this handgun, 2011. This, it has 20 rounds in this gun. This is responsible for way more deaths than an AR-15. This, you see this knife? This knife, this knife is responsible for double the amount of people killed with AR-15s. You see this fist? Fists, hands and feet were responsible for killing more people than the AR-15. So why are we talking about AR-15s? Well, if we're going to be honest, the reason we're talking about AR-15s, so the reason why they keep talking about AR-15s is because AR-15s in the hands of the American people is the greatest threat to tyranny in this country.
0: That is what the battle against ownership of AR-15 is about. The government knows that. If we have AR-15s in our hands, the American population, we are going to be in a much better position to protect ourselves in the case of any tyranny coming from who? The federal government, if that should ever happen. Wow! We end the show on some very wonderful truths. Hey guys, enjoy your weekend. If you've got a long one, four-day weekend, have a great Labor Day on Monday. We'll see you Tuesday morning at TNN Live.